Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jenkin. Desi. Should we thank our Patreon contributors? Oh, yes, we let's, should. Let's do that. They donated over at patreon.com. I always say donated. I should say subscribed. Okay. I just realized that right now. Right, because they pay monthly if they stay. If you subscribe to our Patreon, you get access to all the bonus content that we post there. So if you run out of episodes to listen here, you can go over to patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene and have access to all that. Yeah. So this week we had Travis, Allison, Lisa, Rosa, Sarah, Joanne, Judy, Stacy, Gabriel, Verna, Jennifer, Rebecca, Brittany, Sean, PM, Wanda, Jenna, Katie, Morgan, Debbie, Megan, Tanya, Teresa, Caitlin, Alexandra, Julie, Diana, Brandy, Casey, Aston, and Rel. Thanks, guys. Thank you all. This week we are doing a movie versus reality, and that movie is Chicago. Yeah. Which was also a musical That's and a play. True. I saw that. And a silent film. Oh, I did not see that. It's a double movie versus reality. Wow. I have seen the silent film. You did? Yes. Well, I rented it this week. Oh, you did this yeah. week? I was like, wow. <laughs> She's a real film buff. <laughs> it's a good movie. Oh, really? It's great. I've seen some silent movies. You know, I took a great screenshot from this movie because there's a great daddy line in it. Ooh. This is a pre-code movie. Nice. So there's a lot of like daddy and there's a really hot, um, like homoerotic lesbian cat fight in the jail. Ooh, love a jail cat fight. (laughs) It was hot to me. No, I'm serious. I don't know if that was their intentions, but to me, I'm like, oh, they were going for something here. I, there's a movie from like the 50s that's like a B movie. That I don't know if it might be called Jailhouse Catfight or something. <laughs> like it literally is all that with all these tough girls, and they're all like fifth. They're all like the Tracy Lord's character in Crybaby. Right. They're like that type, and they fight, and it's just really hot. Yeah. Uh, so I recommend Chicago from 1927 if you haven't seen it. But of course, I also recommend the movie version of the musical that came out in 2002. It's good. It's great. Yeah. It won an Oscar for Best Picture. Now, uh, my main source for this episode was a great book called The Girls of Murder City by Douglas Perry. I also researched using a lot of old newspaper articles, specifically from the Chicago Tribune. So let's get started. Just a brief disclaimer. Okay. This, this story is remarkably similar to the musical Chicago. Okay. Just in case anyone's like, hey, you just watched the musical and told the story. And I'm only saying that because... Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the day when we first started doing this show, one of our first like 
Okay, I don't read reviews anymore about our show, but back when we did, our first like negative review, one of them was like, hey, you just watched the movie Wonderland and then did this episode. And it's like, no, that's literally a like a biopic. That's a true story. Like this isn't... Yeah. That actually happened. Right, I remember. So I, I was just like amazed researching this episode, like how close, like so many details are from, like are in the musical Chicago. Yeah. That really happened. Now Chicago, the character of Roxy Hart, who is the lead in the Chicago musical as well as the Chicago film, she was inspired by a real woman named Beulah Anon. And Beulah Anon was born Beulah May Sheriff in 1899, Owensboro, Kentucky. When she was 16, Beulah married a boy named Perry Stevens. Perry worked as a linotype operator at the local newspaper. Like so many boys, Perry was head over heels for Beulah. She was hot. She was a beautiful redhead with very big blue eyes, much like my co-host Desi. Well, my eyes are green. I know. But- <laughs> She was very she was very flirty. Uh-huh. She she was she was a hot girl. Yeah. After a year and a half of marriage, they had a son together. But Beulah wasn't exactly interested in dedicating her time and energy into motherhood. She liked to drink and party and fuck other men. And that's what she did. Okay. She often went out on the town without her husband. Perry loved Beulah, but he knew that his wife was just incapable of being in a committed relationship as well as <laughs> committing to being a mother. So he was like, we have to look clearly yeah. you'd rather go out with other boys, have this fun life and have a fun life without me and your child. Let's end this in a letter to her. He wrote, quote, you have never showed that you are capable of resisting temptation. The marriage ended soon after, and she moved to Louisville, leaving her young son behind with his father. It was in Louisville that she met Al Anon, who was... <laughs> Wait, I just got that. <laughs> you did? Yes. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Wait, I just got that. That's so funny. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like the name you'd give a character in like a, a church pamphlet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Telling you against the sins of drinking or something. Oh my God. <laughs> And you know what's even funnier is that this husband has major Al-Anon issues. Oh, interesting. Is that where it came from? No, no it's not. <laughs> no. Al-Anon wasn't invented till the late 30s. Okay. Um, but that is really funny. That's so funny. his full name is Albert. Well, yeah. But they called him Al. Mm-hmm. Al-Anon. <laughs> I can't fucking believe that. I just noticed that right now. He was an auto mechanic. And the two of them moved to Chicago together and got married in 1920. They rented an apartment at 817 East 46th Street for $75 a month. To make rent, Beulah got a job working as a bookkeeper at a laundromat. It was here in October of 1923 that she met Harry Colstead, who worked at the laundromat as a delivery boy. Beulah and Harry stuck, struck up a relationship. He would come over when her husband, Al, was at work, and they'd get drunk and fuck. Now, both of them loved drinking and fucking. Great. The affair was steamy. Did I write that? The- <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the affair was steamy. 
And Mm. Harry often promised Beulah that he would take her out and spend money on her, but he never actually seemed to have any money. (laughs) In fact, it wasn't uncommon that he would borrow money from her. That was certainly the case on Thursday, April 3rd, 1924. Harry knocked on Beulah's door at around noon. She answered wearing only a slip. She didn't have any work that day and her husband was at his job. Harry asked her if he could borrow some cash, and Beulah handed him a dollar, even though she was irritated that Harry still hadn't made good on his promises of whining and dining her. I mean, I guess he kind of did the whining, but it was with her money. And he also was whining. Like a little bitch. (laughs) I'm so irritated for her with this guy. With her side piece? Yeah, her side piece. It's like, what's she getting out of the deal? I mean, I don't know. Maybe the dick was really good. I guess, but it's still kind of annoying. Right. And you have to remember, she's like 23 years old, so she's an idiot. Oh, definitely. I just keep picturing them like falling into these big laundry bins and fucking like full of sheets and stuff. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those huge things that you push. And they leave the wet spot. Like you remember? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So it's okay when you say it two years ago. (laughs) Do they soil new sheets, clean sheets? They get them right when they're out of the dryer. Yeah. That feels good. (laughs) That's how Annie escaped from the orphanage, remember? She hopped into the... (laughs) (laughs) Totally different segue. Okay, okay. But that is how she escaped. Yeah. She she flipped right in. (laughs) It does look fun to hop in one of those laundry carts. If it's clean. If it's clean sheets. Yeah. Okay. So she's irritated. She's irritated. She gives him some cash anyway, because she's like, well, what else am I going to do with my day? Here's a dollar. It doesn't sound that much in context, but that was probably like $20 back then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. He asked for $6 and she's like, I don't have $6. You fucking crazy. You Rockefeller. (laughs) I don't have $6. So she handed him this dollar, even though she was annoyed. And he said he'd be right back. He was just going to pick up some booze. Harry returned a little later with wine, and Beulah put on a record on the Victrola. It was the song Hoolaloo. Ooh. Do you like that song, Desi? Uh, no, I don't know it. Hoolaloo, 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 loo, loo. That's what I imagine. <laughs> it's kind of, like, it's very 1920s. Yeah. Everything from that period sounds exactly the same to me. <laughs> Except in Hulalu, there's a little bit of an Aloha Oi melody. Oh, so it's like Hawaiian-esque. Yeah, but kind of jazzy. Okay. So it's this jazz record. They drank and talked for an hour before they started bickering. Beulah was annoyed, so she blurted out that she had another man that she was seeing on the side. This infuriated Harry. <gasps> He thought he was the only one that she was fucking because he always assumed, well, she can't be fucking her husband. Wow. Yeah. He's just a cuck. Yeah. They exchanged barbs. Beulah called him a four flusher. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) You act like you were. (laughs) The sound you made. Hello. I, I, I looked it up and it means a phony or a fake. Ooh, it sounds way worse. <laughs> it has to do with like cards. I figured, right? Like a four flush. Yeah. Like maybe you're I pretending you have a flush, but you only have a four. 
something like that. Okay. Please don't at reply me. Yeah, I, we don't I already care. Googled it and I didn't care. <laughs> she also called Harry a jailbird, which was technically true at one point because he had served time. And then he called her no good. Wow. I'm sure there were some actual swear words in there. I bet you he called her something worse. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, totally. The fight reached a crescendo and was punctuated with a gunshot. Harry fell to the floor, bleeding out from a gunshot wound to the back. Blood was splattered across the Victrola. It was still playing hulaloo. That's just like in a movie. (laughs) It's skipping. Because it's like it keeps doing the same part over and over again, like, or something. Aloha, aloha. Yeah, and the blood's aloha. on the Victrola. Yeah, in, in the big cone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what was happening. Except, wow. Except it wasn't skipping. Okay, but that's my fantasy in the cinematic version. In the cinematic version, right? The song continued to play for the next two hours. Beulah stayed in the apartment, listening to the song, dancing beside her dead boyfriend. Ooh. And she continued, she played the song repeated. Yeah. Now it has special meaning to her. Right. Just after four, she called her work. Her boss picked up and she asked her boss if Harry was there. No, Harry was not there. She asked Beulah if she had been drinking. Beulah was like, no, I'm just looking at the phone book. I'm distracted. Then Beulah called her husband. She said, come home. I've shot a man. So... Al rushed home, and when he arrived, he found his wife sobbing on the floor next to the body of Harry Colstead. Beulah told her husband that she had shot him with his own gun, her husband's gun, because Harry tried to rape her. (gasps) Al picked up the phone and dialed the police. Beulah was begging him not to. Police and the medical examiner arrived at the apartment at around 6.20 p.m., Beulah was still wearing only a slip. Al handed over the 38 caliber revolver that his wife had used to shoot Harry. In a state of shock and because he wanted to protect his wife, Al blurted out to the policeman that it was him who shot Harry. But Beulah said, no, I shot him. She also said, quote, I told him I would shoot. He kept coming toward me, so there was nothing else for me to do but shoot him. That's when a policeman said, yeah, but why'd you shoot him in the back? Dun, dun, dun. So Beulah, before she could answer, fainted instead. That's what you got to (laughs) do. It's a great way to get out of answering a question. Absolutely. Because then everyone feels bad for you. Yeah. So Beulah was arrested after she came to for the murder of Harry Colstead. Police questioned why, if she didn't know this man and he was some intruder, were there two wine glasses out in her apartment? and why she had shot him in the back if he was advancing on her. Beulah broke down. She confessed that she had been fucking Harry for the last two months. She confessed that he had come over, and they drank about a gallon of wine between the two of them. Then they got into an argument, and she pretended she was seeing another man on the side to make him mad. When he got up to leave, she grabbed her husband's gun on the bed, and she shot him. Beulah's husband, Al, told the police... I've been a sucker, that's all. Simply a meal ticket. I've worked 10, 12, 14 hours a day and brought home every cent of my money. We bought our furniture for our little apartment on time and it was all paid off but $100. I I didn't know. Al-Anon is codependent. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I mean, I have to say, 
she had all this time to like get rid of the two glasses of wine. <laughs> like she, she couldn't do anything about shooting her in the back. Right. But she could have probably worked that out somehow. But she didn't, did, did nothing to make the scene look, do you know what I mean? Like she didn't clean up anything. No. She, I think she was really fucking drunk. Yes. It sounds like she was drunk or had some kind of mental snap or delusional state or something. Well, if she was dancing to Hulaloo for four hours. Yeah. With and the- not doing anything to like make it look more suspicious. Yeah. So Al also told a reporter for the Daily Journal, quote, I guess I was too slow for her. Aww. I don't get my kick out of cabarets, dancing and rotten liquor. I like a quiet home life. Beulah wanted excitement all the time. <sighs> Poor thing. I feel bad for him. Wow, does he? He needs to go to... (laughs) You know where he needs to go. (laughs) Now, Al and Beulah had no money, so they couldn't afford a fancy lawyer. But when defense attorneys William Scott Stewart and W.W. O'Brien saw... (laughs) W.W.? Like, that's his name. That's a fancy lawyer name. Well, you know how in the newspapers, what, like yeah. in, in the old, oldie timey newspapers, when everything is like initials? Yes. A lot of people. Yeah. Like, just tell me their first name. Yeah. WW. That's what this no guy's name is. No one wants name. to say W twice. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. When defense attorneys William Scott Stewart and W.W. O'Brien saw Beulah's picture in the paper, they were like, she's hot. Yeah. So they offered up their defense services with no upfront payment. Nice. O'Brien was reminiscent of the Billy Flynn character in Chicago. Okay. If you've seen the 2002 movie, it's played by Richard Gere. So he's like a hot guy. It, well, I'm going to get into I'm going to get into O'Brien. He's okay. got kind of an interesting story. He was definitely a showman in the courtroom. Right. I mean, because if you remember anything about Chicago, the musical, like that's the, he's like this kind of slimy lawyer who's very, he's a flair for the dramatic. He's very convincing. He's a salesman. Yeah. So that's, that's this Billy Flynn character. So this is like kind of like, you can definitely see where they got the inspiration for that. Wait, is the, is the John C. Riley character Al-Anon? Yes. Okay. You know that song, Mr. Cellophane? Yes, yes. I love that part. I you, like that song. Yeah, it's a great... His t- performance is very good. It's very yeah. good. So, while... Let's talk a little bit about O'Brien. While he initially passed the bar in 1900, he put off becoming a lawyer for several years to work as a theatrical promoter. Ooh. So, I think that's where he got this sort of talent... Yes. ...in putting on a show. He also worked as part of the campaign team for Mayor Carter Harrison Jr. before eventually starting his defense practice. Like I said, this guy had kind of a wild story. He was almost disbarred because he was accused of bribing two ADAs to get his client out of trouble. The client he was defending at the time was named Lucky Chubby. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's Chicago in the 20s. Lucky Chubby. Of course that's his name. Well, what's did he have erectile dysfunction? <laughs> <laughs> I got lucky. I got a chubby. That sounds unlucky. Sounds like no, an unlucky. Well, it's unlucky, but then you get a chubby, and that's a moment of luck, right? A stroke of luck, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> lucky chubby was a thief. 
I don't know anything about his dick, but he was a thief. Okay. So O'Brien also ran into a lot of trouble at the bars that he drank at. He was shot once at one of these bars, possibly by a gangster in 1921. He refused to talk to the police about it. Two years later, he was shot again while standing on a street corner. Uh, While he was standing on this corner, a hail of bullets came at him, but only (gasps) one hit him. Wow. It was like 15 fucking bullets. Damn. Like he thought it might have been from a machine gun. Maybe. The, The one bullet that did hit him, it went into his leg. So he was okay. The police were convinced that O'Brien had a hit put out on him. But Damn. O'Brien, once again, was like, I'm not saying shit. Okay. I'm not talking to So it to definitely you. was a hit. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it might have been a hit. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've had a really stressful year with work and family stuff. And I know I'm not alone when I say I tend to push that stress down in order to get what I need done, done, and that only makes things worse. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. In the past, therapy has helped me navigate many situations from helping me to set boundaries to just becoming the best version of myself. If you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I love that it's entirely online, so it's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash HCS today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash HCS. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. 
Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. During the grand jury hearing, Beulah did not take the stand, but her official statement was the original one, that she shot Harry in self-defense. Her lawyer, O'Brien, interjected, uh, they both reached for the gun, which is wow. a song in Chicago. Oh, <laughs> I forgot. Okay. But he, he, he interjected that. He's yeah. like, they both reached for the gun. Beulah Anon was charged with murder and remanded to jail. The papers called Beulah the prettiest killer and the jazz slayer. The newspaper articles about Beulah focused on her good looks, as well as the fact that a jazz record was being played while the murder was committed. Beulah wasn't the only murderess in a, the Cook County Jail by this time who was getting publicity. Four women, including Beulah, represented what was known as Murderous Row. Mm. And each of them inspired different characters in Chicago. Belva Gardner inspired Velma Kelly, who per- was portrayed by Catherine Zeta-Jones. Right. And it's sort of the co-lead. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. She's like, yeah, besides Roxy, it's like Roxy and Velma. She was dubbed the most stylish woman prisoner. Sadly, convicted murderer Sabella Needy was dubbed the least stylish. Ooh. Look, these papers were vicious. I know. It's like, you don't even have to dub them that <laughs> just don't comment on it no they used to talk i mean we see this all the time in these old newspapers that we read a lot especially when like right. a woman commits a murder yeah i i know all their outfits that they wear to trial yeah well wait, who is this character the least stylish one we're gonna get into her okay. story so the headline read in the chicago tribune it said least stylish of court ladies only happy one then it said, Beulah has been told she's beautiful. Belva knows she's stylish. Sabella is neither. And she's happy. <laughs> but Sabella's story was actually a very sad one. Aww. She was an Italian immigrant farm worker who didn't speak English. Throughout her trial, the papers remarked on how ugly she was. <gasps> I mean, this was a constant thing. They would talk shit about her looks in the paper. Even the prosecutor trying her case called her ugly. Oh, my God. She was likened to an animal. Her own attorney was accused by the judge of being incompetent. Though the evidence against her was incredibly flimsy, in July of 1923, she was convicted of murdering her husband and sentenced to death by hanging. (gasps) Sabella was granted a new trial with the help of an Italian-American attorney named Helen Cerise, and Helen also managed to help get Sabella a makeover during this time they were preparing for the new trial. She bought her new clothes. She had her hair and nails fixed. And this makeover actually might have saved her life <gasps> because it, it helped change the public perception of her. Right. She eventually received a life in prison sentence. And I'm not going to get too much into this case, but it is a very interesting story. And I kind of would like to do a separate episode Maybe on some of these other characters in the jail. There's a book about this case called Ugly Prey that came out that basically exonerates Sabella. 
Oh my gosh. For these crimes she was accused of. Sabella's story inspired the Chicago musical character of the Hungarian ballerina who is wrongly convicted and executed by hanging. Oh. Now, the fourth woman on Murderous Row was Kitty Malm. She was known as Tiger Girl or the Wolf Woman. She inspired the character of Kitty as portrayed by Lucy Liu in the movie. In February, Kitty was convicted of murdering a security guard with her during a botched robbery that she'd carried out with her husband, Otto. Now, we're not going to go too big into her story at the time, but at one point, Kitty was the murderess du jour. The murderess who would steal her thunder in the papers was Belva Gartner. On the night of March 12th, 1924, 38-year-old Belva Gartner left a party with her boyfriend, a younger man named Walter Law. They had been drinking and dancing at the Gingham Inn. Walter was a car salesman who was married and had a kid. Belva had been married to two men before. Her most recent husband was William Gartner, a millionaire who was 20 years older than her. Her divorce from William was messy as hell. They first married in 1917, but got divorced five months later. Then they got remarried, but then divorced again. But now William was trying to win her back once again. He had bought her a new car as well as jewels and clothing in an attempt to get her to marry him all over again. Mm. Third time's the charm, Mm. right? Belva and Walter were drunk driving in the very car that her ex-husband had bought for her. At some point, they began talking about bandits. And the conversation turned to who would be a better shooter, her or Walter. Belva pulled out the gun that she always kept in her purse. It was a present from her ex-husband, William. The next thing she knew, she was back at her apartment. Naked and a pile of blood-soaked clothing were on the floor. Wow. Police arrived at her place not long after, saying they found a man named Walter Law dead from a gunshot wound to the head in her car, which was parked outside of her apartment. They asked her what the hell happened, and Belva said, I don't know, I was drunk. At the station, Belva told police that at around midnight, her and Walter were saying goodbye after they had spent the night out drinking, when suddenly a bullet was fired into the car. She said it was probably robbers. As Walter lay slumped over the steering wheel, she got out of her car and ran back to the apartment. She later told the assistant district attorney that her and Walter had gotten into a fight earlier that week. She said that he threatened to kill her if she ever hooked up with someone else. The night of the shooting, when they were partying at the Gingham Inn, Belva said that she was worried that Walter could have possibly seen her sneak off to dance with another guy. She told the ADA that she really liked Walter and she couldn't believe that she would shoot him. At the coroner's jury hearing, Walter's coworker and friend testified that Walter had confessed to him that Belva threatened to kill him and that he planned to take out more life insurance because of that. He said, three weeks before, she, he told me that she locked him in her flat with her and threatened to stab him with a knife unless he stayed there. The state claimed that Belva shot Walter because she was afraid he would leave her and go back to his wife. Belva was charged with murder and remanded to jail. The papers were marked on Belva's personal style, how cute her coat was and that it was ruined with the blood of Walter Law. And then at the coroner's jury, they talked about the seven diamond rings that she wore on her hands. 
They compared her to the demurely dressed wife of Walter, who they noted had spent the night at home sewing curtains while her husband and his side piece hit the (gasps) town. Maureen Watkins covered the stories of the women on Murderous Row at the Chicago Tribune. She knew her readers ate up stories about women doing bad things, especially if they had hot, juicy, wait, if they were hot or had juicy backstories. If they were hot and juicy. (laughs) (laughs) And Belva had a very juicy backstory. Yeah. When she was going through her divorce with William, she told the courts that she whipped her husband with a horse whip when they had sex. Ooh. And there was, I don't think there was a real reason that she did this except just to humiliate him. Yeah. Uh, And another thing. (laughs) He liked to be whipped in bed. Just so you know. At this time in March of 1924, Belva was the latest it girl of Cook County murderesses. Belva had a long reputation as an eccentric party girl. She had met William when she was a cabaret performer. She wasn't the hottest girl at the clubs, but she was definitely everyone's favorite. When she married William, she was bored amongst the society folk. William didn't want to go out with her to the clubs at night, but he was okay with Belva going out to party. He knew that she was going out with other men too. For a time, that was. He eventually got tired of it. He thought that she would eventually get tired of the nightlife and fucking all these randos, but she never did. Yeah. Sometimes he would upbraid her when she'd come home in the wee hours of the morning, reeking of booze, and she was drunk a lot. William became so frustrated that at one point he hired a detective who happened to be the head of something called the Morals Squad. Wow. To follow her. One night, the detective had William come along with him, and the two of them walked in on Belva butt naked with another man. The next day, Belva tried to open the door to her apartment that she shared with William, but he had already changed the locks. He then divorced her soon after. While in jail, Belva remarked to the press that no man was worth murdering, especially Walter, who was 10 years younger than her and didn't even know anything. She loved him, though, but he certainly wasn't worth killing over. I love that dumb piece of shit. (laughs) Um, She also said, quote, Now that coroner's jury who held me for murder, that was bum. They were narrow-minded old birds. Bet they never heard a jazz band in their lives. Wow. Sick burn. Yeah. Prior to Kitty and Sabella, the state had failed to convict the last 29 women accused of murder. So the girls in the jail were shaking because now they're like, oh shit, they're convicting us now. Yeah. After her arrest, Beulah Anon succeeded Belva as the it girl murderess. It was Belva's mission to stay in the papers, and she lobbied to be photographed with Beulah in an attempt to ride on her coattails. Beulah was in direct competition with Belva. She was young and innocent looking, and boy, did everyone love that. But just a few weeks after Beulah's arrest, a new woman in Chicago made headlines. Oh, no. Wanda Stopa was accused of murdering a man and shooting a woman during a home invasion. Wanda and a male companion entered the Chicago home of a man named Y.K. Smith and shot and killed the housekeeper, a man named Henry Manning. Then she shot at Smith's wife. Smith told police that Wanda had demanded that he divorce his wife for her. (laughs) 
That's a classic Wanda move. (laughs) (laughs) In an attempt to win back the spotlight, Beulah told the press that she was pregnant. Ooh. And it, that got everyone's attention. Yeah. They're like, oh my God, she's in a delicate condition. Absolutely. And that's what they, that's the phrase they use back then. Yes. She then revealed that the reason Harry had attacked her is because she confessed to him that her husband, Al, had gotten her pregnant. Then she accused Belva of spilling her secret, even though that wasn't true. Belva, she, I don't even think she told Belva that she was pregnant. She just right. wanted to take a dig at Belva. Yeah. This was the first time anyone was hearing yeah. that she was pregnant was when she told the press. Reporter Maureen Watkins was very suspicious of Beulah's claim. Was she really pregnant or was this just for attention and sympathy from a jury? She wrote in the Chicago Tribune following the announcement, what counts with a jury when a woman is on trial for murder? Youth, beauty, and if to these she adds approaching motherhood, for pretty Miss Mrs. Beulah Anon, who shot her lover Harry Colstead to the tune of her husband's phonograph, is expecting a visit from the stork early this fall. The 23-year-old murderess now awaiting trial is making this the basis for a further appeal to clemency. On the advice of her attorneys, Beulah did not wear a hat to trial. A reporter at the Daily Journal noted that she was dressed like a schoolgirl. Other papers also gushed over the way that she looked in the courtroom. Her courtroom fashion was very much on purpose. She was styled by her defense team beforehand. They wanted her to look very sweet and very innocent. Maureen Watkins noted that the way Beulah noted about the way that Beulah spoke in a very childlike voice. Yeah, while she was on the stand. Beulah told the court that when Harry returned to her apartment with jugs of wine, she told him to leave. I saw he was drunk and begged him to go. But he, but he was drunk and he asked me to take a drink first. So I did, just to get him to leave. But he still wouldn't go, though I begged him to. I told him my husband might come home soon and that he would shoot us both. Beulah then said that Harry replied, to hell with your husband. Whoa. Then he insisted I take another drink, and I did. Then he said, let's have a little jazz, and he played the Victrola. (sighs) Beulah went on saying that she told Harry that she was pregnant, but he didn't believe her. Then he said, hey, where's that gun? And that's when she claims that they both headed for the bedroom at the same time and both reached for the gun that was kept on the bed under the pillow. Beulah got the gun first. She said, quote, he started toward me and I pushed, pushed his shoulder with my left hand and shot him. Beulah's past statements to the police were admitted into evidence. The state questioned her about why she confessed to police that she had shot Harry because she was mad that he was breaking up with her. She claimed that she was coerced by the police because they promised her immunity. The jury returned their verdict quickly. Beulah Anon was found not guilty. <gasps> Her husband, Al, stuck by her the whole time. Oh, my God. Yeah. Codependent, right? Yeah. A month later, Belva Gartner was also found not guilty. Upon hearing the verdict, she burst into laughter. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. In 1926, two years after she was acquitted, Beulah and Al got divorced. She told the judge, I'm through with men. 
But in January of 1927, she got married again. Hmm. Now, I never saw anything about her having a baby. But when I was reading the newspapers, they did, after the announcement, they did make reference to her being ill or her illness. I don't know if that was their way of saying that she had a miscarriage or that she claimed she had a miscarriage. Maybe. So I'm not that clear about what happened with this pregnancy. Maureen Watkins went on to write a play based on the stories that she covered of the women on Murderous Row. That play was called Chicago, and it came out in 1926. A year later, in 1927, the silent film Chicago that was based on the play came out. And like I said before, it's great. You should watch it. And in 1975, the musical Chicago premiered. And in 2002, the movie version of the musical came out starring Renee Zellweger as Roxy Hart, a.k.a. Beulah Anon, Catherine Zeta-Jones as Velma Kelly, a.k.a. Belva Gartner, Richard Gere playing the lawyer, Queen Latifah, among others. And it won Oscar, the Oscar for Best Picture. I like the movie, Chicago. I like the movie, and it, if you've seen that uh, show, I can't remember if it's called Fosse and Verdon, they talk a lot about Chicago in that, because she was the original Roxy. And then Anne Reinking was the Velma character. Right. Uh, and that part of the, it's like maybe an eight-part miniseries, I guess. It's really good. Do and I like the Chicago parts, especially. Was Jerry Orbach <clears throat> the original uh, Billy Flynn? I think, I know he was. I don't know if the, he was the original, but I'm pretty sure he was at some point. Because then it started playing on Broadway at some point, too. Yeah. Again. And now it's the show where they always have like the real housewife playing Roxy or something. It's like the show that always has the stunt celebrity casting now. Well, I know they did Ashley Simpson. Oh, she did it? Well, like, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, she played Roxy in London. Well, the big one that was recent was Erica Jane. No way. From Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. No way. And that happened, well, I know this because I just saw this on the show. It. She started, uh, she only had a few performances before COVID out break started oh shit so her run on broadway got cut short i think she maybe done did one performance wow uh i mean i'm as we all know her life got much worse yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) maybe that will be another uh real housewife scandal show because that's a juicy one but Yeah. yeah it's funny how that show though became the one that had this stunt casting all the time I mean, it's such a great part. Like, of course you want to, if you're like a actress, of course you want to play Roxy Hart at some point. Yeah. And the songs are great in that show. It's a great They're show. They're all hits. Like, right. Every song every is Every song is good in that show. Like, yeah. I love it. Like I was, while I was researching this, I was re-listening to a lot of the music from it and it's just really good. It's definitely one of my favorite musicals, I think. It's something that, like, I just it ha- it has all the elements I like in a musical. Me too. Um, but the music is very good. Yes, like the songs are all fun to sing. They're all good. Yeah, the movie is great. I thought the movie, the the recent one, they did a really good job translating the musical to film. I think it's one of the best musical filmed musicals. I think so too because they did the perfect job. Like. Uh, of doing it. It's like its own thing, but it keeps all those elements you like. I forgot Maya 
was in it. Oh, right. I totally forgot she was in it. She's when she's in the cell block tango. Right. She's, That's a great song. Yeah. I mean, there's so many. <laughs> there, Chicago is just chocked full of so many songs that I'll always forget and then remember and be like, oh, yeah, this song. Also, they all have like their moment. They all have their big song, I think, which is nice. Yeah, it's a really good show for an ens- ensemble cast because there's so many good parts, even the small parts. like They're juicy and good. Yeah. For sure. So I really like, if you haven't seen any of them, like either of the movie versions, I recommend both of them. I will post some pictures on our Instagram from like the film from 1927 and then of course real pictures of, of the women I just talked about. Maybe we'll do an episode about Kitty and Sabella because their stories are both very interesting and they were based on characters yeah. from the movie. So, hey, we can do it. It works. <laughs> yeah. So that was the episode. Cool. I mean, I didn't know a lot of that information, even though it's the movie. Yeah. I still didn't know all this. I didn't story. know that they pulled so many details that were in it. Like, it, it, like they really, like, just the fact that they were competing for press is, like, interesting to me. Because that seems so um, prescient now, like, these people trying to get fame from their dirty deeds. Like, right. And using that publicity to their benefit. Right. It seems so uh, modern. Uh, yeah. And there was even rumors while Roxy, Roxy while uh, Beulah was in jail, like, oh, she, rumor says she has a, you know, Hollywood's calling her next. The studio wants to meet with her if she gets acquitted. That wasn't true. Right. But just the fact that that was even a rumor that like, oh, she could launch right. her career. All of this stuff is so relevant today. I think that's why this musical has kind of stood the test of time. Yes. Beyond the music being great and right. all of that. It just really, the story is very modern, yes. I think. Yes. So we're going to record our after show for Patreon now. And surprise, we went to the Olive Garden tonight, so we will be talking about our experience at the Olive Garden (laughs) on the after show. I know everyone's very excited. It was exciting. Look, we got got some stories. Okay. Okay, Bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 